0: Good morning. Oh, that sounds loud. Does it sound loud to you? Maybe it's just beyond close to it, I don't know. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. And I do have a word for uh, Jefferson and Dan. My calendar says summer doesn't end until September 21. So you, are, are you guys just ending at a halfway through kind of? Oh, it's a go to school thing. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I was just curious as to how you were calculating. But I guess that, that works. This morning we are on the sixth of the Beatitudes. Number six Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? See God. I think we can relate this, as we've been talking about in this series, we can take this sixth beatitude and relate it to number two, and we can also relate it to number four. It relates to number two in this way, do you remember the second beatitude, blessed are those who mourn, who grieve, not over the things of this life, but over sin, their sin the battle with sin, sin in the world. And out of that grieving comes this pure heart because they're getting it right. They know what darkness is. They know what light is. They want the light. They want purity. It also ties in with number four, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness hunger and thirst for righteousness, if you are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, you are manifesting a heart that is pure. I think this is an extremely important one of the Beatitudes, and it's important in this way. Without it, you will not see God. In other words, when you leave this earth, when you die, you will be separated from him for the rest of eternity. You won't see him face to face. You will be separated. If you don't have this beatitude, you have no hope whatsoever. Listen to some Old Testament verses. David writes in Psalm 24, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. David says that in the Old Testament. Who can stand before him? Only the one with a heart that's pure. Psalm 73, 1, Asaph says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Not all of Israel. Not all of Israel is saved. The vast majority are not. They never were. It's only those in Israel who are pure in heart. Listen to 1 Samuel 13, 14. Samuel said to King Saul after his sin, Now your kingdom shall not endure, but the Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people. And then again, a few chapters later in Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, the Lord says to Samuel, when he comes into Jesse's home, and he's looking at David's brother Eliab, and the Lord says this to him. Don't look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. And by the way, it's not only the Old Testament that has verses like this. Listen to a couple of New Testament. First Timothy one five, Paul writes, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And then in 2 Timothy, he writes, Flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. Purity of heart is all through the Scriptures. Jesus says in this sixth Beatitude Blessed, joyful, happy are those with a pure heart, for they shall see God. This is one of the most significant character traits. I think of all of them, one that we must know that we possess if we want to have any hope of a future, an eternity with Christ, being in his presence, with God the Father. Let's begin unpacking this this morning, and it's a hard one. I want to say that right at the beginning. It's hard in a lot of ways, but especially it's hard to see exactly what the Lord is saying, blessed are the pure in heart. Is he talking about those who received a new heart, a new birth when they were saved? Or is he talking about people who are manifesting that new heart and the continually displaying it and its attributes and its characters? And we're gonna get to that. We're gonna ask and answer five questions this morning. First of all, what Exactly, is the heart that Jesus is talking about. Is he talking about the pumping organ in my body? Or is there something else on his mind? And here's what the scripture teaches. There are two primary uses of the word heart in both the Old and New Testament. Two primary uses. And also, get this, when you're thinking about the heart, it not only is used of the physical heart in our physical body, which is so important for life we can't live without it it is used of the spiritual heart which sometimes is referred to as the inner man that spiritual part of us other times it's referred to the spirit our spirit we have spirit and we have body we are two parts but one person so what exactly is this heart First of all, we need to know this. Only God can truly see and know what is in a man's heart. Obviously, Jesus is talking about purity of heart. He's not talking about the physical. He's talking about the spiritual side, and that's the way heart is used mostly in the Bible, of the spiritual part of us, the inner man, the spirit that we were born with, created in the image of God made from the dust, the physical body, but also made in his image and given a heart. And the interesting thing is that heart died, that spiritual heart became dead at the fall when Adam sinned. Everyone that has ever been born since then, everyone comes into this world with a defective, dead heart spiritually. And only God can see the heart and know. We can see the results. We can see the actions which indicate to us what kind of a heart did they come from. I want you to turn with me just a few chapters over to Matthew chapter 15. And we're going to look at and be reminded of the time that Jesus is addressing the Pharisees. And he gives them the the parable that we're going to read here in this chapter. So I want you to look with me at chapter 15 of Matthew. He says in verse 2, "Why do your or they say, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders, for they do not wash their hands when they eat bread?" And he answered and said to them, why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father and mother is to be put to death. Fairly serious, isn't it? What do you saying? But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. It's been, in other words, declared Corban. This was their tradition. I'm sorry, Mom and Dad, I can't help you in your need because the money that I have is set aside for God. That was not in the Word of God, that was tradition. Jesus goes on to say, Wh- whatever I have, that, uh, excuse me, he is not to honor his father. Is he not to honor his father and mother? And by this, you have invalidated the Word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. Rightly, Isaiah prophesies of you this people honors me with their lips but their heart is far away from me but in vain do they worship me teaching as doctrines the precepts of men and jesus goes on to say hear and understand it is not what enters into the mouth that defiles the man but what proceeds out of the mouth that denies the man and the disciples came to him and said do you that the Pharisees were offended by the way Jesus offended some people interesting when they heard what you said and he answered and said every plant which my heavenly father did not plant shall be uprooted let them alone they are blind guides of the blind and if a blind man guides a blind man both will fall into the pit Are you still lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile him. What's Jesus saying? The heart is the problem with men. It has always been the problem. It's not the environment. It's not climate change that's man's problem. It's it's not his education or lack of education. It's not what's influenced him in this life or a lack of financial issues. The problem with everyone that comes into this world is he comes into this world with a heart that is bad. you ever stop and think about that? Some people seem to be nice, but everyone coming into this world comes into this world with a heart defect, spiritually. That's the way they come, and that's the way they live. No matter how good they look on the outside, they come into this world with a heart that they need a transplant for. Most of you here this morning know my grandson, Josh, and his wife, Victoria. And the reason you know them is they were with us for three years here in this church. He was attending seminary. He is now back in the church that he grew up in on staff there. And he is working in the church and enjoying that. But their son, Grayson, as you know, that was born here, born up in Denver, had to have a heart operation, an open-heart surgery surgery, at the age of two to three days old. And now he's had his third. Just this past April, at the age of three, he had his third open heart surgery because he was born with a seriously defective heart. If you have a child, a baby, that comes into this world that way, you are deeply concerned about them. Hopefully this is his last, but if he gets down the road and his heart continues to not operate well, the only thing that they can offer him would be a heart transplant. Now that has occupied much of their lives for the last three years and we have prayed for them as a church and for a people. And thankfully, Grayson has come through this third surgery and he's doing well. He was in the hospital for six weeks recovering after that, and Josh and Victoria were with him, but he's doing better. He's at home. But let me put this before you. Let's take that illustration. That young man, Grayson, coming into this world has another heart defect, and it's spiritual. And unless someday in his life God gives him a heart transplant and a new heart, he will not see God. Is that something maybe to even be more concerned about that someone's physical situation? It certainly is because eternity and where you spend eternity is in the offing. Do you pray for your children? Do you recognize that they come into this world as nice as they might be and as as much as you love them? Do you know that before God, he sees their heart and it's black? All of our children need a heart transplant. It's the most serious thing that anyone could have coming into this world. They are separated from God. They they do not belong to him. Their future is dark. It is black. And our primary concern as parents is to be praying for them and living before them and teaching them and pointing them to Christ so that they can get a new heart. Do you remember what Ezekiel says? I want you to turn back there with me for a moment. Ezekiel chapter 36 in the Old Testament and in Ezekiel 36 these ought to be familiar verses to you Ezekiel says "Speak." Uh, the Lord is speaking in this passage and Ezekiel is quoting him then I will sprinkle clean water on you, verse 25 and you will be clean I will cleanse you from your filthiness and from all your idols, moreover I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, in other words, within that new heart, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You see what he's saying? Ezekiel, men need a new heart, and, and I'm going to be giving that. And then you'll be able to follow me. And then my statutes will really mean something to you and you will be able to keep them. Not only is he talking here about the new covenant, but men in the old covenant also had to receive a new heart. David had a heart that was pleasing to God because God had given it to him. He had that new heart. And we receive that new heart through faith in Jesus Christ who came the son of God, became a man lived perfectly under the law goes to the cross, bears all of the physical suffering bears the wrath of God for our sins so that we can have a new heart turn back now to the New Testament to Romans 6 and I'll just put in a plug because Romans is coming up in the seminary and I know I have to get of my syllabus, soon. So I will will be working on that. But that starts in August, and it's on the book of Romans, which is one of the most important books in all of the Bible. And in this book, in chapter 6, Paul is writing, what shall we say then, verse 1 of chapter 6, are we to continue in sin so that grace might increase? God forbid, or may it never be. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus has been, have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with that would be better translated rendered powerless because our body is not done away with it it is the body of sin it's the body that we still wrestle with after getting a new heart the desires of the flesh are still there there's warfare going on but we through the indwelling spirit and his power can put to death the deeds of our flesh. And Paul says in Romans 8, we must do that if we have a new heart. And we will do it if we have a new heart. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. For they, and they alone, is the way we can read that and understand it. They, and they alone will see God. Only those with this is a striking beatitude and a striking passage to consider. Secondly, what does the word pure mean? What, what does Jesus mean when he, we know what he's talking about with a heart? He's talking about the spiritual part of us that needs new birth, that needs a new transplant. But what, is, what does pure actually mean? It's from the Greek word, the noun, katharos. The verb would be Katharizo. And this particular purity deals with being cleansed or purified, something or someone that is cleansed or made pure, purified. It can also have this secondary meaning of being cleansed for just a single purpose, in other words, one-mindedness. When you have a new heart, your one-mindedness becomes, I am here on this planet. To live only for him. By his grace, by his power, we have a new heart. Listen, purity of heart that our Lord is addressing here means this, that from our inner being, we will have new attitudes, new integrity, proper thinking, godly decision-making, And we will be free from hypocrisy, double-mindedness, and deceit. When we get a new heart, it is a single-minded heart. It's been brought out of darkness into the light. And its single-mindedness is to do the will of God. Do the will of God. And do it alone and put it into practice by His enablement. Matthew 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus follows up these Beatitudes with, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Where's your treasure this morning? Is it here on earth? Is it in a vacation? Is it having more things? Is it living um, problem free? Is it having a good marriage? Some of these, most of what I just said, could be good things, but what's the attitude of your heart? Where's your treasure? Is it there or is it here? If it's here, there's a problem. Jesus says where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And then he comes along, right a few verses from that, and he says, no man can serve two masters. If you have an old heart, if you have a dark heart, you will be serving Satan and yourself. If you have a new heart, you will be serving a new master, the one who gave it to you. And it will be pure. And you will be single-minded in your purpose. The new heart will not be divided as the old heart certainly was. Thirdly, how does one become pure, a pure in heart person that Jesus describes? How do I get that new heart? How am I born from above? How do I have the heart that will be pleasing to Him? You do it by looking away from yourself and repenting of your sin and looking To the only solution that there is, looking to Christ, looking to him, giving his life for you. And repenting and trusting in him and him alone. And here's what the Bible also says, and this is really interesting. The Bible relates that new birth to our faith in him, believing in him but it also implies that the new heart is given even before faith comes. Remember 1 Corinthians 2? The natural man, the man who has that bad heart, the man who is just fleshly, that man does not understand the things of God. They're foolishness to him. God has to do a work in us to open our eyes to see, spiritually to see our need, and to look to him for that new heart, and yet the scripture says, at the same time you're doing that, you need to know it's God who did it. Listen to Romans 10, 9 and 10, where Paul says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Or in chapter 2, verse 29 of Romans, Paul says, for he is a Jew who is one inwardly, And circumcision is that which is of the heart by the Spirit. By the Spirit. The Spirit does that. And He doesn't do it based on anything that we do, any works. He does it in in correlation with us opening the empty hand and saying, God, I have absolutely nothing of value to offer you. Nothing. I'm just asking you for grace and mercy. And I'm looking to your son who said that he came for that purpose, to make me a new man. That's how we get it. We look to Christ. We look in the mirror and we look at ourselves. But here's the the, the big question for us. We know that new birth and new heart comes in an instant, in a moment in time, and it's by the grace of God. The old heart is removed. Ezekiel says, God's God saying in, his, in Ezekiel's book, I will give you a new heart, I will remove the heart of stone, I will put in the new heart, the heart of flesh, and you'll be a different person. So is that, when he says, blessed are the pure in heart, is he just talking about, is all he's saying there, those who've had the new birth, who've gotten a new heart, a new heart transplant, that's who I'm talking about? Yes, he's talking about them, but I think he's saying more. The reason I think he's saying more is look at the whole string of Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek who continually show their meekness in the way they live. Blessed are the merciful who continually show that they give mercy in day-to-day living. Blessing are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness because they do that their whole life. It isn't just on a day. So I don't think the Lord is coming along and saying, here, when we get to this beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart because they've they've had a new birth. I think he's saying, yes, they've had the new birth and they have a new heart. But daily, that which is in the new heart is controlling their life. It is speaking to their need. It is single-minded. It's pointing them to me. It's calling upon the Spirit to come and give grace. One of the most important verses in all of Scripture, I think, is Ephesians 3, 16, where Paul says, I'm praying for you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in the inner man. That's the heart. Why is Paul praying for that? Because though we have the new heart, we live in a fleshly body where there's a battle going on and the, and the flesh that I live in, this body which is yet unresurrected and unredeemed still wants to do what it wants to do. If you, if you don't recognize that about your body, you don't recognize the fight that you are in. When my spirit says you need to get on your knees and you need to pray, and you need to get into the word of God. My flesh says, you've got other things to do. You need to take a nap. You need to rest. You need to have some fun. You need to get out and exercise. And my spirit is saying, no, I'm putting to death that thought. There's a battle going on. And what Jesus is talking about is living with a pure heart Constantly being one minded, focused on one thing. God, I'm here on this planet and I have been, my days are numbered, and I'm here to do one thing to live for you and focus on you and love the things that you love and do the things that you want me to do. That's why I'm here. No other reason. To honor Jesus Christ, to lift up his name, to see others come into the kingdom. Blessed are the pure in heart who display their purity and continually living in a way that reveals their heart and reveals the focus of that heart. Pray daily to be strengthened with power in the inner man by Spirit of God, so that that heart might overcome every temptation from the flesh, from the world, from the enemy of our soul. 1 Peter 3.15 says, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. He means daily, not just when we're saved. Philippians 2, 12, and 13 that we've talked about before, work out your salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. 2 Corinthians 7, 1, having these promises beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Flesh and spirit, keep your spirit strong. Keep your spirit focused on God. You see, a pure pure heart will respond by producing a pure and a holy lifestyle. One that can put to death, mortify our flesh, which constantly attacks godly thinking, godly motives, godly desires, because the flesh has its desires for you who's going to win? Who's overcoming in that battle? Last Sunday night, we had the privilege of going over to the East Campus, and I think we're probably going to head over there again this evening just to encourage them and and be with them. But Dan was preaching from Hebrews chapter 3, and and a light went on as I listened to what he was saying. Listen to these verses out of Hebrews chapter 3. Quoting from the Old Testament, therefore I was angry with this generation and said they always go astray in their heart and they did not know my ways. I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. But listen to the warning, listen to the admonition to believers. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become a partaker of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end while it is said, today if you hear his voice, Do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me. Even if you have a new heart, and praise God that you do, there could be no greater gift to get in this life. For birthday, Mother's Day, Father's Day, wedding anniversary, no greater gift than to have a new heart. None. But listen to this. We need to be careful, brethren. If we have become a partaker of Christ, we need to strengthen and nourish. We're not passive in this. We have responsibilities to do. And that's the next the next point here is how exactly are we to contribute to daily remaining pure at heart? Because that's obviously what Jesus is talking about. Blessed, happy, joyful are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Number one, pray to the Lord daily for strength in the inner man with power by the Spirit. Secondly, spend time regularly in the Word of God, soaking up what it says, feeding that new spirit with things that it wants to hear and wants to do. Remember again, Hebrews 12, 14 that we just read, pursue peace with, excuse me, we didn't read this one, but in Hebrews 12, we read three, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Do you notice see? If you're not pursuing sanctification with a pure heart, you won't see him in this life or ever, or ever. Thirdly, Hebrews, as we read in Hebrews 3.13, encourage one another day after day. Get with other Christians. Encourage one another. Ask how they're doing. Be in their face. Are you single-minded about why you're here and, and about your Lord? Are you living for Him, or are you living for your own pleasures, your fleshly desires? Fourthly, begin to put out of your life all of the influences that would bring double-mindedness to your single way of thinking. At least that should be your single way of thinking. Proverbs 4.23 says, watch over your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the springs of life. Get things out of your life that shouldn't be there. Stop living to indulge your flesh and live so that your life matters for eternity. And finally, number five, walk in the light and confess your sins quickly when they occur. And they will occur because in this battle, none of us are going to handle it perfectly. Do you remember what 1 John says? If you say you have no sins, you deceive yourself every one of us will sin it depends on what you do with it do you quickly confess it acknowledge before god i just god i just betrayed you and i need to go apologize to someone and i need to ask you for forgiveness and if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness do you remember jesus washing the disciples feet and peter's response to him was what lord You're not going to wash my feet. And he says, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have anything to do with me. He says, well, then just do my feet and do all of me. And Jesus says, you don't need to be all of you cleansed. You don't need that. You have a new heart. He didn't say that in the passage, but that's what he's getting at. You've been cleansed. You've already been made new. What you need is your feet cleansed. You need that part of you, your body that touches the earth every day. You need daily cleansing as you live the word of God and as you confess your sin, that cleanses you. Blessed are those who continue with a pure heart, living out a pure heart, for they, and they alone, will see God. What does it mean to see God? Number one, it means that spiritually in this life, we will see Him. We will see Him in the way He interacts with our life, in the way He answers prayer. We'll see Him in the Word of God. We'll see Him in relationships with other believers. We will see Him all over the place spiritually as we live out a pure life. We will see Him in creation. So we will see him, but not face to face. You remember Moses desired to see God in his day, but he didn't see him? He could only see the backward side of God. He didn't see him face to face. He desired to, but he didn't. But we will one day, Revelation 22 says, the Father and the Son will come to the new earth, and they will establish their thrones Here, and we will see him, we will see him face to face. Remember 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then, then when we have a new body with glorified eyes, we will see him in all of his glory. And from the day that that begins, for all the rest of eternity. Can you imagine standing and gazing at the glory of God? I've been down at, in Florida, and I know that many people go to Cape Canaveral and they stand and gaze at the rocket launchings, especially at night when you see this glow going into the sky. And they're amazed as they track, as they follow that rocket. That's nothing compared to what we will see when we are with him. You want to live this life for yourself? You want to follow your fleshly desires? Blessed are they who are pure in heart and live out that purity, actively involved in the sanctification process, setting Him first every day, walking in the power of the Spirit so that one day, the thing that occupies all of our thinking is to be there with Him and to see the Savior and to see His Father in all of his glory, and not die when we see him, because we've been glorified. Not only a new spirit, a new inner man, but a new outer man. That's why there will be no more sin, because Satan is cast away The world that we live in is removed. There is a new world, a new planet, and we are a new creature both inside and out. Do you remember what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4? He says, the outer man is decaying, the body. But the inner man, the inner man is being renewed, renewed day after day. We need that inner man renewed so that we can walk daily in the power of the Spirit, putting to death the deeds of our flesh. So my question to you and to me as we end this morning is this. Have you had a heart transplant spiritually? Do you have a new heart within you? I know when I became a believer back in 1967 in November, my life began to change. I was not the same person. Have I sinned since then? Talk to my wife. Have I had to confess a lot of sin to stay on track? A manifest purity of heart you bet but I've seen the Lord at work you've heard me say before my by the way I was only five when I started in high school but my 60th high school reunion is in September back in Virginia where I'm from and I got another reminder this week are you coming when I was at the last one, which was the 50th reunion, people who knew me in high school and were seeing me there were saying, what, 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 what happened to you? you? You've been a pastor? You, did I hear you right? Did you say you've been pastoring churches all these years? But, but I knew you. And my answer is yes, but I had a heart transplant at the age of 23. I received a new heart. If you're here this morning and you don't have a new heart, look to Christ as I did on that November evening watching a Billy Graham crusade. Confess your sin. Confess the fact that you don't have a new heart and you desperately need it. And look to Christ. And if you're here as a Christian and you say, yes, I have a new heart, but I I don't know that I'm daily living in light of that, then get with it. Get with it. Cry out to God for the strength that you need to be single-minded and focused and let that new heart control your life by the power of the Spirit. Look at your motives every day. Look at what is important in your life. Look at where you're laying up treasure. And if it's here, stop and confess that and look to Him and live a life that will be pleasing to Him and that will allow you to see God in your daily experience and have the hope that one day That day is coming for all of us. When you leave this earth and when he returns, you will see him. We just see, even now as Christians, we we see dimly. But then we'll see face to face. What a day that will be. Listen as I close just with this reading from David. He says, examine me, O Lord, and try me, and test my mind and my heart. And then again, he said, let the words of my mouth, O God, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We should be praying like that daily. God, test my heart. God, let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight my rock and my redeemer. Is that where you are? I don't know about you, but with all my heart, I want to be there every single day. Blessed are the pure in heart for they and they alone Will see God let's pray Father we thank you this morning those of us that are here that have received a new heart a pure heart we thank you from the very depths of our being because we know what we were like, we know what we deserved. We know we had no hope, and yet we kept on living until the light of Christ shined into our life, and you graciously gave us new life, a new heart, a new inner man, a new spirit. One that is single-minded and focused on you, not double-minded, not hypocritical, but by your spirit producing deeds that honor your name. We thank you with all of our hearts for that this morning. And Father, we would ask that you would help us to walk daily as David prayed, that you would test our heart daily, that you would show us where we need to be and where we need to go and what we're thinking about and what our motives are what our desires are, Lord, may they be single-purposed and be on you and on the future and longing for the day when we will see you in all of your glory. And I pray, Father, if there's anyone here this morning that does not know you, that you will speak to them today that they might know, that you would speak to them as you spoke to me way back in November of 1967, on a night that I did not expect it, but you did. Lord, I just pray that we will each day be living and honoring you and walking in newness of heart. And Lord, for our children, help us to remind ourselves daily that they've come into this world needing a heart transplant, no matter what their age is, and pray that you would do that and live before them so that they would see what what it's like to be different, to, to have a new heart, and to display that before them so they could see that. They can't they can't excuse themselves and say, Well, I never saw anybody, any Christian live that way. Our children came into this world needing a heart transplant, every one of them. May we pray daily and regularly. Lord, I thank you for this church, the West Campus, the East. I pray for the, the West, I mean rather for the East Campus tonight, for Dan as he proclaims your word out of Hebrews there, chapter 4. I pray that we would lift them up in prayer in these days. I pray for our missionaries, Father. I thank you that the calls will be with us soon. I look forward to hearing from them and to having them around. What a blessed time that will be. I ask, Father, that you would just use that time to strengthen us and focus us again on the need to reach out to a world that has no heart, not the right heart. Lord, I pray that you would constantly be working in our midst to produce godliness. I pray for the men who lead this church that each one of us might be living and operating out of a new heart. I pray that the decisions that we make will be pleasing and honoring to you. Father, I pray for those among us who need a physical touch, whose bodies are weak, whose bodies are in need of a touch from you. Bring healing, I pray. Have your way in our midst, Father. May you produce in this church a godly people who are focused on you, who display a purity of heart every single day and who want to reach out and see others around us changed. Receiving a new heart, the heart of stone removed and a heart of flesh in its place. Lord, move amongst us as only you can. We can't do it, but you can. You are all powerful. So we cry out again as we In this time of worship, Father, strengthen us in the inner man with power by the Spirit so that Christ might dwell in our hearts through faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name.